0: grumpy old geeks a weekly talk show hosted by brian schulmeister and jason de discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame welcome to grumpy old geeks i'm jason de and i'm brian schulmeister we got some email from our norwegian listeners yes we did uh, uh three of them even three i counted two i, believe, I missed yes. one Wow. All right. Well, we have more than we thought. Uh, Yeah. So Snoldis sent us in an email that is very long, but kind of described how the the regulations work that we talked about last episode on the people who had to put in the label of this image has been edited.
1: Yes. Basically, it's just supposed to get uh, young girls.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) Uh, but I do I do uh, I do like the the last one here. Number five. I agree. Fuck Norway. (laughs) You you live there. I personally believe this that this ice-ridden hell hole should be closed down and evacuated every year between October and April. The summers are occasionally quite nice, though. Not nearly enough to make up for the rest of the year, but worth mentioning. And don't even get me started on the price of alcohol. Anywho, love the show. Keep grumping on. Well, <laughs> I got to say, if the price of alcohol is high up there, that's not good because you need it for <laughs> those, those dark days. Those dark days of those winter. Those chilly nights, yes. Yes, those very long ones. So I got to say, Brian, I think the internet has a new, uh, hey, man, will you help me move? Or, yo, dude, can you give me a ride to the airport? Oh, it does? Those questions that we all love to get from our friends that we, are, we yes. cringe when you get them because you try and find a way to say no. <laughs> going live in five minutes. Hey, I'm going live now. Hey, check out my live stream now. I'm going live. <laughs> I get those all day long now. All day.
1: I think it might be a bit of a self-selecting sample in terms of the people you follow there, Jason.
0: It could be. It could be. And now I feel guilty because I did it, <laughs> you know, when I was doing the Adorama <laughs> show. I kind of feel, I feel a little dirty now. But every time I see that, I'm just like, oh man, really? It's, it's just a little well, guilt you know, bomb.
1: Like we've discussed, uh, the internet now is an on-demand situation, not a live situation. Yet the metrics still require, please, for the love of God, if you want to keep doing a show, you need more than three people
0: there. I know. I know. Especially on Twitch. Or you can't even monetize unless you've had at least five people chatting at one time.
1: Yeah. And good luck getting five people in a room at one time at this
0: point. I know. I know. My first, my first live stream went out. Literally, the reach with all the quote-unquote influencers and friends that uh, retweeted the links and everything about my live show, like, you know, 30 people showed up. And the reach was yeah. well over a quarter million people. So <laughs> you do you run the numbers on that one. Right. Not good. The news. So Brian, I don't know if you've turned on the news lately, but uh Austin Powers has kind of made it into space. Yeah, baby. Which one's Austin Powers? Uh that would be Richard Branson, the actual one that flew. Oh, okay. There you go. Yes, he didn't quite cross the Carmen line, but uh you know, rich people just say, well, it's spacey. Space enough. It's space-ish. You know, it's better than the Carmen San Diego line. That's true, because you could never yeah. find it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've watched the news. I heard he made it to wherever he made it, and you know, there was some snark that he didn't really make it anywhere. And uh, yeah, good, good on them, I guess. There's an
0: awful lot of backlash. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that. We've got lots of that in the show today. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh Bezos is getting ready to do his thing. Uh go uh go deeper into the Black Void. I think he's going to sixty miles, which actually does cross the Carmen line, but we'll see. But you never know. They may have a, a rapid, unscheduled redistribution of wealth uh on that one. So who knows? I'm not too it-
1: worried. They're gonna be packed in Amazon boxes with lots of uh of that uh
0: plastic bubble wrap. So It'll land fine. Yeah, it just might be three days late and at the neighbor's house when you want it. No, that's that's okay. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, he's going to have grandma and baby bro on board, so we'll see how that goes. But, you know, their big selling point is look at the size of our windows. <laughs> you know why supersonic vehicles actually have small windows? So they don't blow out and explode. Yes. That's kind of, kind of funny. And I just think it's funny that Musk is just kind of kicking back, sort of, and just watching... You know, everybody else do it. He did uh, he, he did uh, book a trip on Virgin Galactic, but I think that might have just been a press play. I don't think he's ever going to go. Do you? There's no exact date. So when you're playing this game, you give the date if you're really going. Actually, Virgin Galactic doesn't even have a date for their actual first paying customers to go up. So. True,
1: that's fair. So he can,
0: I don't know, we'll see. I, I can
1: see Musk going. Uh, I can see him, you know, token, taking a big bong rip right before he puts on his helmet. <laughs>
0: They should get Rogan on there, too. They could do a podcast from space.
1: If they get Rogan on there, just keep that thing going. Yeah,
0: seriously. Can you put a little more gas in the tank? <laughs>
1: yeah, man, like I said, there is quite a lot of backlash. I saw I saw two things on Twitter that actually really made me chuckle. The first is, uh, science is in such a sad state that 52 years after landing a man on the moon, people are getting excited about a billionaire reaching the Earth's upper atmosphere. And the other one, which really kind of hits home to most people. Oh, hey, the billionaire tax evader who asked his employees to take eight weeks of unpaid leave during COVID made it to space before the billionaire whose employees rely on food stamps and pee in bottles. Pretty cool system we've got here.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it is.
1: (laughs) So back down here on Earth, um, Biden has a taken over the executive order pen from Trump, except you can actually read his name and there's stuff on it and he doesn't wave it around the room. And he's put out a big, uh, wide-ranging executive order for big tech, net neutrality, and more. So we'll see. He's going to sign the new executive order, or actually he already did a couple of days ago, that will establish a whole of government effort to promote comp- competition in the American economy. In other words, it's targeting anti-competitive practices across across a wide range of industry, which includes internet services and tech. There are 72 proposals and actions involved in this. Uh, A lot of it is to get to undo the things that the Trump administration did, particularly with the FCC and net neutrality. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Bunch of boring blah, 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 blah things in there. But we'll see. I mean, this (laughs) sounds interesting. Uh, It's something, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think he still needs to get somebody else on the FCC board before anything can really happen. So he's got to pick somebody and get them on there. So that'll be good. Um, yep. some right to repair stuff. There's, there's a whole yep. bunch of stuff in here that's uh, actually pretty good. We'll see how it, how it plays out. But, uh, yeah. yeah, the net neutrality thing is the one thing that I think that us and all of our listeners really care about the most.
1: Well, I think right to repair is a big deal. Like, uh, we talked about it a bit on the show a couple of years back when there was kind of a push for it. And then, you know, obviously there was four years of, holy shit, we got bigger fish to fry here.
0: Um, yeah, but right to back- repair our democracy is what we were worried about. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs>
1: Exactly,
0: <laughs> but I mean it's a, it's a
1: that's kind of a big deal, and it's going to change the way that all uh going to have to look at their business model if this stuff goes through. And and I fully support it. I think it's great. I'm not sure how much DIY repairs we can actually do anymore because these these devices are so fucking complicated, and the pieces are all so tiny, and they're all put together in such intricate, massive ways. But on the larger perspective, I think it's a good thing, and the idea that companies would have to keep this in mind while developing new products I think is a great thing. Plus, you know, it also would stop Google from doing things like, oh, I don't know, hiding microphones in their devices and not telling people.
0: Yeah. No, but it's not turned on, Brian. We promise. We but promise. But it's not turned on, right. No, yeah. it's just <laughs> there for, you know, future, future expansion. Future, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of the stuff, especially with Apple stuff, it, you know – the right to repair thing for that really comes down to mom and pop shops because you do need specialized equipment to take these things yeah. apart and put them back together, you know, but y- you can get it. You know, it's not super duper expensive. Go to Shenz- Shenzhen and Shenzhen, whatever the fuck the name of it is uh, in China. And there's people in malls with little kiosks that will do it. They're right there for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is it is doable. So we'll see, but Apple has been getting better, I think with, uh, I
1: think so. I mean, yeah. I, the past couple of times that I've had anything wrong with one of my phones or iPads or my wife's I've, I've gone to the local U fix it shop and they take care of things pretty quick and pretty cheap.
0: Yeah. Cause what it came down to before with them was the ability, like the availability of parts for these mom mm-hmm. and pop shops and getting certified on the actual equipment. So, uh, here's, here's hoping fingers crossed. Yeah. And, uh, Speaking of uh, right to repair our democracy, Trump's back in the news because he's <sighs> suing everybody. Uh, well, <laughs> it's it's for show. The whole thing's for show. So, well,
1: yeah. The the best analysis I heard the other day. I was I was listening to the radio. I can't even remember what station. It was probably NPR. So go ahead and call me a, a liberal because I am whatever. Uh, but they had a lawyer on and and they asked, "Well, what is the biggest? Uh, what's the biggest obstacle for for Donald Trump with these lawsuits?" And the lawyer just said, "Well, the law."
0: because because he's suing for something that the the law's against him (laughs) yeah it's it's ridiculous but you know he's fundraising on top of it so of course he is yeah because he's gonna run
1: again actually you know he's gonna be back in in august or october or whatever or shadow government or
0: whatever who knows who knows who cares go away (laughs) go the fuck away I saw this one. I thought it was pretty funny. Black Mirror in real life. Facebook now owns and is developing a city. They should have just mm-hmm. called it the Circle, but they're going to call it Willow Village. Willow <laughs> Village. Oh. Okay. Doesn't that just, you know, warm the cockles of your heart? It's very little house on the prairie,
2: mm-hmm. except
0: with 24 hour surveillance and ping pong tables and free beverages and everything like that. It's Good just- night, Suck. Good night, Sanders. <laughs> Oh, can you come tuck me in, Cheryl, please?
1: Look, this is straight out of like Gibson-esque sci-fi. This is, this is like the the corporations basically walling off themselves from the world. Everybody lives in here. Everybody eats in here. Everybody dies in here. It's You're not American anymore. You're Facebookian.
0: Well, I mean, this, this isn't even Gibsonian. This goes back to, you know, the 40, 30s and 40s and 50s with company towns. You know, mm-hmm. this is not a new concept. You know, you'd get a uh, script that you can only spend in the company town when you work for the company. They pay you in it. You Spent have house money
1: at the company store.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So it's not a new idea, but it's one that, uh, I mean, they're throwing Hail Marys now because everybody's quitting. Everybody else. And it's like <laughs> they have a hard time keeping people around, I guess. So let's put them in a walled garden.
1: <laughs> one good way to keep people around in is uh, you give them a nice apartment that's rent free.
0: Yep. Or yep. seems to be rent-free. Seems to be, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, they really got to call them panoptic condos just, to, just because. <laughs> <Who> I know. <laughs> you coined that one. I know. That's just fun.
1: And speaking of people quitting and leaving and moving out of big cities, there have been a study. Now, we we have talked about this and everybody was saying some have suggested that remote workers, now that they don't have to go to their offices in big cities, could move to and revitalize beleaguered cities and towns in the heartland, bringing their big paychecks and big spending. We talked about that a lot on this show over the last year and a half, and we've also talked about how those big paychecks will actually become smaller because they'll be adjusted for cost of living in the places that they're living, if that even happens. However, it's not happening. So Okay. <laughs> there's a new report from the Brookings Institution's Metropolitan Policy Program. People did not move from the coastal cities to the Midwest in any meaningful way. Um, they may have done so for a time just to move home with their parents to save money and things like that. Uh, But now that cities are back, people are coming back to them. Everybody is coming back. There is some movement, but the movement has been to suburbs rather than downtown areas. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, if you're now only working two to three three days a week in an office, you can live in the suburb and do that commute. And it isn't quite as bad as it was before. And you get the more space. And if you're planning to have a family, you've got the yard and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So cities aren't dead. They're just they're just expanding and sprawling out even further.
0: Yeah, they just went sploosh. That's about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, I don't see many people uh, rushing to go to Des Moines from New York. No, or that, that didn't happen. No, yeah. uh, in the the fantasy world of you know tech writers, it did for a little while, but now we have proof it didn't. And uh, in the realm of bad ideas, this one is right up there at the top. Uh, TikTok now wants you to send your resumes, video resumes, to get a job. So, okay. uh, what could possibly go wrong with this? Because, you know, yeah. Uh, TikTok is not really a place where you discuss your master thesis about why you're a qualified candidate for a job. It's where you do fart jokes and dance moves and pranks on your friends and tell really bad jokes. So I was about to say, is there a resume dance that I'm not aware of? It's got to be one of those little trip hop dance things that you know that everybody does, and you you know that's that's probably it. Got to do a backflip over your briefcase. Yeah, those little dance troops and shit like that are the only people that are going to get resume. It's going to be bad. <laughs> you know, it's it's like you want to you want to hide your social interaction some point until you get the job.
1: Yeah, I I yeah, you don't want your job. You don't want your. Potential future boss to see your TikTok feed. Right away. Yeah.
0: You know, you got to ease into that. It's like, hey, I'm a really good candidate. Uh, and then all they have to do is just click on your name and see all the dumbassery that you've done for the entire pandemic. You know, if, if this does go out, it really needs to come with a wipe my history Uh, button, which, of course, they charge you $20 for.
1: Well, luckily, it seems like TikTok might be doing that for you. So if if your dumb fuckery in the past related to uh, violence or nudity or sex, uh, they've got a new AI tool that's
0: going to be pulling all that stuff. So they're, they're doing a little whitewashing for you. You know, I was thinking about this when I saw this article. They're in the best place to possibly do this because their matching algorithm is so good. yep, all they have to do is point that at really terrible videos with you know exactly what they're talking about violence, nudity, anything that's you know in the terms, and they can probably train that a i to be just damn near perfect we We might have a net police here, Jason we might. Especially
1: since, as we've discussed, they're now selling their tech and their AI. Um, you know, They do have the best tools. They have the best automation. They have the best machine learning about this stuff. If YouTube really wants to fix itself or Twitter or Facebook, maybe they should be buying this tool that they're about to roll out.
0: Yes. Yes, they should. Because now, after a Mozilla investigation, they found that YouTube is recommending videos that violate their very own policies. Didn't need to do an investigation. I could have told you that. Yeah, all you have to do is turn on YouTube. Use the service. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's working as planned. This is in the the no shit Sherlock department. YouTube is terrible at this. They've always been terrible at this. So By design, I might add. Yeah. Really, it's all about engagement, people. It's all about engagement. Mm -hmm. I did find it funny that uh, the research found that people in non-English speaking countries are far more likely to encounter disturbing videos. Uh, Yeah, because they don't hire locals to help train things. And, you know, I'm sure it's all English all the way down, you know, from the engineering perspective, at least. Right. Right. There you have
1: it. And something that we've been talking about for two years, we get to at least have a brief pause talking about after two years, the Amazon's legal feud with the U.S. government over the Pentagon's decision to award Microsoft the $10 billion cloud contract, aka Jedi, is over finally.
0: Yeah. <sighs> Finally,
1: until it starts again.
0: Well, no, I mean now, now they're, they're going to come back, and the Department of Defense is going to say, "Here, you get a slice, and you get a slice." So Amazon's yes. going to get some, Microsoft is going to get some. No mention of Google in there anywhere, which is interesting. Mm. I actually I, I,
1: think it's a really great idea that they're splitting it up over the two companies. You know, you
0: don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, it's called a spoff. You don't want to have a mm-hmm. spoff when you're dealing with, you know, top sensitive government materials, I guess. Or at least, you know, government military infrastructure. Right. So that's good. And uh, no canoes is good canoes is how I like to call this one. Rupert Murdoch's answer to Google News is dead after only 18 months. I read this headline. And I was like, oh, good. Rupert Murdoch's dead. Oh, no, damn. I know. Sadly not sadly (laughs) not so i don't know if you ever heard of this site it was called canoes it's probably pronounced news but it was k-n-e-w-z so it was a news aggregator kind of like google news but Mm -hmm. uh yeah it finally shut down and there are a couple reasons for it. one and i love this their farewell message said we certainly had provenance but no profits (laughs) okay (laughs) well it turns out they ended up doing a bunch of side deals with uh other companies that uh, turned them profitable for their news. So they just shut the site down and said, we're going to call it a day. I just find it okay. funny that nobody had, I know that, was, I mean, it was a conservative version of Google News, sort of. Right. Sort of. You know, there were a lot of uh, things from the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times in there because they were supposedly fair and balanced. But yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, good riddance. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about Delete Me. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering DeleteMe was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people, fueled by their beliefs, can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. DeleteMe works tirelessly to safeguard your data. That's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA flower, is a game changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide free. I tried several of their products from the uplifting Energized to the mellow Chill, and I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the creative strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flower and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy moods offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com code gog this episode is brought to you by delete me today i want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming now on this show we talk a lot about how much of our personal info is out there we're talking about home addresses contact details and even information about your family and if you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy you're not alone that's why i want to tell you about delete me it's a game changer for protecting your personal information As someone who's been through the ringer with spam calls and phishing attempts, finding Delete Me felt like a breath of fresh air. Could your potential views expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence in this election year? The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. Angry individuals motivated by their political beliefs can now easily access personal details from data brokers for 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment and identity theft. Fortunately, you can safeguard your data with Delete.me. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. One more time, that's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash GOG with code GOG at checkout. Everyone needs a world-class VPN. Grumpy Old Geeks recommends private internet access to protect your online privacy and identity. With just one private internet access VPN subscription, you can connect up to ten devices at the same time. Go to gog.show/vpn and sign up today for a limited time only. You can get our favorite VPN for just two dollars and sixty nine cents a month when you sign up for two years. Gog.show/vpn. That's gog.show/vpn.
1: Media Candy. Andy wrote in, hey, Grumps, I know you're always looking for something new to check out to watch. Uh, check out Wayne on Amazon Prime. It's John Wick meets John Hughes. Imagine a teenage version of SNL's Chad raised in South Boston with a chant to solve problems with violence. Uh, wasn't that
0: gross point blank? Yeah, could have been. I I didn't like that yeah. movie. I barely remember it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, as I've gotten older, I really don't care about the John Hughes movies anymore. They were perfect at that time in my life. But yeah, also Ready Player Two. Kind of ruined me on John Hughes as well. (laughs) such a horrible storyline.
1: That's true. And uh, Tony from Australia also wrote in, being only a recent listener, I'm not sure if you've covered Halt and Catch Fire, a drama series about the computer industry in the 80s. If you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend adding to your binge list. Uh, We have talked about it and I could not get into it.
0: I couldn't get past the first episode. I couldn't get past the first five minutes. I know everybody (laughs) said that it was, you know, good, but it was just way too over dramatized for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah no that
1: wasn't my thing either. Yeah, so, uh, I finished Star Wars Rebels. I'm sad that it's over. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was so much better than the last six movies we've
0: gotten. All right, that's not hard.
1: So, <laughs> not no low bar, but it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, monsters at work. Now I talked about this a while ago, and I, I love the monsters movies and the mm-hmm. kid. You know, I watched them because the kid and all that. But they're phenomenal movies. I really enjoyed both of them, and they had had announced that we're going to get a third movie. Monsters at Work is coming. Turns out, not a movie. We're getting a whole series. Oh. Uh, a couple episodes are out already, and they're just as fun as the movies were. I'm oh, Really happy about it.
0: Good. Yeah. Who who uh, who are the main characters in this?
1: Uh, same ones. You got oh. you got all the all the big big people have returned.
0: Oh, so. nice. I might actually yeah. have to watch that. No, the they didn't. They didn't
1: cheap out. They they've got they've got all the real people back. So it's, you know, they got Disney money, man. Yeah, it's really, it's like, yeah, this is, this is what happens when you have all the monies. (laughs) It's a, it's VO work. This is not a hard, hard push for these people. No, not at all. They probably all, you know, they're all rich enough that they have studio. They probably don't even have to leave their house. They go into a room. I'm sure they have it all set up at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, The Witcher Season 2 has announced that it is coming and will hit Netflix on December 17th. I really did enjoy that first season, so I'm looking forward to this.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I might go back and watch it, because, uh, yeah, you said it was good. I, I like your opinion some of the times, so maybe yeah. I'll check it out.
1: <laughs> you know, it's a it's a
0: watered-down Game of Thrones. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> after after the ending of Game of Thrones, you know, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, so... Oh God, that was uh, that was so bad. Anyway, yeah, Black Widow came out. Speaking of big Disney money, and uh, they made a shit ton of cash on this flick. But the real the real winner here is that they made uh, over sixty million dollars on people spending thirty dollars to buy it at home. So that's two million people ponied up thirty bucks to sit in their home and watch it on the you know release day. So Mm -hmm. it's point, set, match. There's no excuse anymore to not have simultaneous releases. I know it's different (laughs) for different types of movies and things like that. But, you know, some people just don't want to go to the theater. I hate the theater. I hate people. I hate popcorn because it smells like feet. I just want to sit at home and not have to worry about the guy behind me talking and farting and eating his chips.
1: Um, I hate dying from a virus. Eh, eh,
0: I'm back yeah, I'm good. so <laughs> I don't give a shit about that I just hate yeah, people. yeah no I mean this uh,
1: uh, yes it changes the paradigm and everything and all that but the, I agree there's no reason not to have a simultaneous release now if people want to go see it in the theater they will if they don't you're
0: still getting 30 bucks yeah and you know that's and you don't even have to split that with the theaters anymore so yeah I go. did not watch the movie did you no no. Yeah, I'm, I don't care. I'm done. But, I'm done with the MCU for the superhero movies for the most part. But uh, I see the next item in our list here. And let's talk about that. Yes, that would be for the most
1: part. I, I At your recommendation, I went ahead and watched uh, an episode of Loki and then immediately watched a second episode of Loki because it's good. It's great. And it's not <laughs> stupid fucking MCU tight pants things.
0: Yeah, no, I really, really, really love the show. I, I I finished episode five. I, I watch it as soon as it comes out. So I, that's my, my Wednesday treat when it comes. I just wish it was longer, but I think the shorter format actually makes it tighter and better. But.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And, and it's, it's very clever. It's very funny. And uh, that's what actually makes it, you know. And and there, there are some big questions in there, which I like, you know, the exploring the nature of the universe and time itself. Like, it, it's smart and it's clever. And it's not just people in spandex running around and flying and beating each other up.
0: Right. Um, the yeah. nice part about it, too, is they thought about this from the get go. They're like, we don't want to just do the basic time travel crap that everybody else has done. We really want this to be different. And I mm-hmm. think they pulled it off. I really do. Yeah. So far, so good. I like it. Yep. And I saw this and I just had to laugh. Barry Diller says streaming services killed the movie business as he knew it because he's yes. an old fart. And uh, <laughs> I love it. These streaming services have been making something that they call, quote unquote, movies. And uh, they ain't movies. They are some weird algorithmic process that has created things that last 100 minutes or so. Um well, uh, Barry, listen yeah, to me Barry. for a second here, Barry. Barry, um, Barry, Barry,
1: you're, you're you're in media, right? Um, there's this whole other part of media called music. Have you taken a look at that industry over the last twenty years? <laughs>
0: did you not see this coming to years? Yeah, I was we all did, thinking the same thing. <laughs> Barry, it's time to take your bags of money and just go retire. Seriously, I yeah. mean, he's run studio, big studios. He ran Paramount for a while. I wasn't there when he was there, but. Uh, Um, but yeah, he's had his time in the sun and I have to say that from everything I know from, at least from an audience perspective, I'm happy with the way things are going as a creators, more creators have more opportunities to make algorithmically generated movies at this point than any time in, you know, history crews Mm -hmm. are getting hired more. It's, it's. I think it's a net win with everything that they're doing with I don't care if it's algorithmically processed or what I mean I think it is too
1: and and I think the the real struggle which we've seen in the music industry as well the the real struggle for for media companies in general is going to be okay yes there's going to be the crap and the crap is going to make the most money uh, we got to figure out how to funnel some of the the big crap money uh to the smaller projects that are actually really good and you know that's that's the that's the challenge that's going on in the music industry right now and the the movie industry and TV that that's what they're going to have to figure out too you know it, it's the old school the old school record label model you know the the big band the Britney Spears you take all that money you put it in a pool and you use you're supposed to use that money to fund the smaller bands and that's yeah. what the movie industry needs to do too
0: Yeah. And it's, I think it's great. I mean, we have been quote unquote in the golden age of television for the past decade. Look at all the Mm -hmm. great shows that have been made, you know? So I hope it it continues. So Mm -hmm. all good. And I did watch summer of soul on Hulu of all places. Mm -hmm. This will be the last thing I watch on Hulu because I'm canceling my Spotify account and (laughs) with it goes the Hulu. Um, right. It was fantastic. It's a, a quest love joint. Uh, what it basically is, it's kind of like, it's the Woodstock of Harlem and yeah. the footage of this has sat in the basement for 50 years and they pulled it out. They, you know, remastered it, restored it. Uh, I, and we figured, you know, we were joking cause my, my roommate comes from the music industry and she's like, how the hell did they get the rights to all this for this movie? This is amazing. And I'm like, that's where all the Hulu money goes probably <laughs> to get the rights mm-hmm. to all the music. It was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. I loved it. Have you had a yeah. chance to check it out?
1: I did. It was amazing.
0: It was just flat out amazing and I love I love the fact how it just ties in right now to what's going on in the world because as this was going on, then we landed a man on the moon. And yep. everybody in Harlem was just like, "Who gives a shit? You guys put some crackers on the moon, but we don't have crackers to eat. So, what the hell's going on here?" And you know, and now with all the backlash to the billionaires going up into space, it, it's, it's a really nice juxtaposition of the times back then and now. And uh, and I, I posted a picture here in the notes, which I'm sure you'll probably use at some point on the socials. Uh, Richard Branson mm-hmm. uh, juxtaposed with the uh, the tent cities flying by. And, yeah, I'm not sure
1: exactly which tent city it, that is, but it could very well just be the one that's about uh, five, six blocks from me on Four Street.
0: I know it could be. It very well, mm-hmm. it probably is. <laughs> Uh, and I want to be clear, though, you know, there is a big difference between what happened back then and what's happening now, because back then NASA was spending taxpayer money to put people on the moon. And this is just private rich guys, you know, getting their rocks off. And yeah, it would be fantastic mm-hmm. if they gave a shit about what's happening down here. But they are under no obligation to do anything that they don't want to with their money, except, I don't know, maybe pay some damn taxes. That would be nice. Yeah, I, could, I was about to say, I think, you know, if
1: we wanted to go that route, I could probably argue with you about that they are under extreme obligation to do so, but that would be a whole different show.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I just, I, I, pay your taxes so we can do with it what we need to do with it. I'm fine mm-hmm. with it. Once you pay your taxes, go to the moon, go to Mars, go to Uranus, and be an anus. I don't care. Actually, I would like you to go. To Mars or Uranus and just leave us the hell alone. <laughs> but you know, rich guys doing rich things are always gonna be around. But uh yep. Andrew Carnegie building libraries, you sir, are not. Anyway, um I saw I saw this and I thought it was just hilarious. Exclusive Ted chats are coming to Clubhouse. A All right. Clubhouse is still a thing. B well. Ted is still a thing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ted is so watered down their brand. It's unbelievable. And this oh. is just another another move on their part and another desperate Hail Mary from Clubhouse to get any press.
0: Yeah. You know, um, Ted's going to be allowed to run ads on their, their, their Clubhouse uh, and not give anything back to Clubhouse because the Clubhouse just needs the press, honestly. Yep. Ted is huge with the Ted Radio Hour because it's just distributed everywhere. But I mean, once they went to TEDx, Every yep. influencer douchebag with a rehashed idea got a TED talk, and yep. I'm sorry, a TEDx talk. Now, if people get a TED talk, there's actually some some cachet that comes with actually doing a TED talk.
1: But TEDx talk is just something you can put on your LinkedIn resume. <laughs> exactly. Look, I went to one. I I I was working with somebody for a while who uh, had a side gig that was really involved with. Um, some different environmental things. And he had a TEDx talk and he mm-hmm. invited me to it. And I was, and this is way before, you know, TEDx really watered down the whole brand. And I was like, Ooh, a TEDx talk. That's interesting. Of course I'll come.
0: There were three other people there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brian, you and I can do a TEDx event. We could do TEDx. No, of course we can. You just got to yeah. follow the guidelines and anybody can do one. And yeah. that's the, that's the problem. That's where they watered their brand. down. when they first started doing it, I thought it was a great idea but then they just let every schmuck on the planet with a yeah. video camera do one, and it's like there was ugh. no vetting. No, so this is going to be a big fail. And speaking of other failed things, I watched something on Peacock this week. I actually signed up for Peacock to watch one show. Okay, uh, I watched Epstein's Shadow, Galen Maxwell. Ugh. Yeah, um, yeah, it's same shit, different show. You know, it honestly was the same stuff that I've seen on all, all right. the other Epstein. You know uh, documentaries. Uh, so I went ahead and immediately canceled it, but that doesn't mean I still don't get the emails every 10 seconds because mm-hmm. apparently you can cancel your account, but you can't cancel the emails. Oh, by the way, I'm not, <laughs> what am I thinking? No, you can't cancel the account. You can go to a <laughs> free account where you can get a subset of the content, but try and find a cancel button. It's going to take you more time than it's worth. So, yep. uh, that's why Google has created email filters. This has anything with the word peacock, <laughs> delete immediately. But yeah, that uh, the the content on Peacock is just it's reruns, it's NBC reruns yeah. that I don't care about. Um, I do have one though. Finally, for our friends in Norway, an old show called Lily Hammer with mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Van Zandt. He played a gangster on the run that was hiding out up there in Lilyhammer, Norway. Uh, they right. did only did three seasons of it. I talked about this on the show, like because I mean we were new when this was coming out. Um, mm-hmm. I think it ran from 2011 or 12 to 14 or something. Um, I loved it. I always loved that show. I was sad when they canceled it, but, uh, yeah, it's worth, it's worth watching. It's a really fun and, you know, little Steven is a pretty good gangster. He's a pretty good actor. I have to say. And it was a funny show. He was in Sopranos too, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. He had a couple bit parts in there, but, uh, yeah i really i really enjoyed Lilyhammer and one thing that I can say is after watching that show, I'm never going to norway. Ups and doodads Brian in my attempt to wrangle the hedonic treadmill of reward and sadness and happiness, i found mm-hmm. something new to keep me keep me happy last okay. week last week I went into uh into a, a funk when my ipad pro uh, ran out of space because I usually get them with, you know, 64 gig of RAM or a uh, gig of space mm-hmm. on it to just, to, right. just to be able to use it, have apps and stuff like that. And I keep running out of space on it. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's do the trade-in trick. Let's see how much I'd get for this one to get a new one. And I looked up the new one with a terabyte. I'm like, Ooh, let's go big. Let's go big. And it was a $2,000 iPad. And I'm like, that's ridiculous, but they yeah. do last forever. And then I checked Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, what's the resale on this? If I trade my other one in, it was like 600 bucks. I'm like, okay, well that brings it down to 14. And then I can do the Apple card payment plan, which only brings it down to $150 a month for a year. I'm like, oh, that's an extra hour of work a month per, you know, for the rest of the year. And then I get my shiny new iPad. So I ordered it. Then I was happy. I was ecstatic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm getting a new iPad. And then the next morning I'm like, why am I going to spend this much money on an iPad that I use about four hours a week? Payment regret. Yep. And here's the fun part. I canceled it, and I got just as much joy from canceling it as I did from buying it. So here's the trick.
1: You are an odd man.
0: Don't buy anything that ships immediately, and you can get double your pleasure by buying it and canceling it in, in, in 48 hours. So... It was fantastic. I felt great. I felt great when I bought it. I'm like, yay, new iPad. Oh, that sucks. Uh, cancel. Yay. I saved money.
1: <laughs> the Apple store algorithm is just going to start popping up a little window when you buy something new and say, step away, Jason, you're drunk.
0: Uh, they're just going to put They're going to send me the thing that it's <laughs> like, you know, in the queue and they're just going to put it off to the side and say he'll be back tomorrow. Because <laughs> eventually I do buy some stuff, but uh yeah. I found this great little Chrome extension because I was feeling nostalgic. It's called Throbber. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it, uh, it, it sadly, the uh, the menu bars on modern browsers are very narrow now. They're very tiny. You don't get big icons like you used to. But yeah. Throbber puts the little Netscape loading icon in your bar. So when you're loading a page, you get to see the stars fly by the end. That's it. That's all it <laughs> does. I want to try and hack it and put in the the original alpha version of Netscape, the throbbing, the th- real throbbing N, where the name comes from. Mm-hmm. But that takes work, and I don't really have that much yeah, time you're not on my hands. No, I'm not. <laughs> But hey, what are you? And
1: doing? Uh, Tony from Australia wrote in, "Love your show. I've been listening for about two years, but this is my first time commenting and donating. I vaguely remember a listener recently asking about problems opening old Word or WordPerfect files. I have a similar problem, and today I was ferreting through a box of old software CDs and found a copy of Windows XP and Office 97. I managed to load Windows into a virtual machine and
0: install Office. Problem solved. See, I love this. I love this. The mm-hmm. only problem is, he found CDs. Who the?" F- fuck has a cd drive anymore well tony from australia yeah i guess so (laughs) uh i use parallels and Parallels 16 Mm -hmm. is out right now and uh which is interesting because it's every time i used to go into parallels i'd use it like three times a year and every time i'd go in there'd be a new version that's where they're on 16 now and didn't do much else but Speed improvements, blah blah blah. Upgrade. I'm like, okay, might as well do it now because I'll have to do it later, and then it'll cost me more. And now I just have a fucking subscription. I'm like, just keep it up to date. I don't care.
1: Uh, but you and can. I, I follow the general rule of if I haven't needed a file for twenty years, I don't need it now.
0: No, but I use I use Windows for other things that that I need for my job for testing stuff, um, just to see how things look on different Windows apps for podcasts and stuff like that. So every now and again, it comes in handy. Uh, and on my, uh, super ding dong MacBook pro, it actually runs really fast in windows. So you can kind of play stream on it and play games, but Mm -hmm. that's neither here nor there. Uh, but the thing is, it's like a lot of people would just go download a version of windows XP from, you know, a torrent site and go from there. And I'm like, okay, well that just comes pre-hacked. So you can't do that. But if you do have parallels, there is a, there is a one click install windows button and you can get a developer version to run windows 10 in like 5 minutes which is great. But, All right. Um it's just a fun it's a fun app and you know I have Kali Linux running on it too for those times when I get nostalgic and pop into it and go yeah this is given giving me PTSD I'm out of here. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> out of here. But that also made me think of uh the other app that I always have to update whenever I log in is Screenflow. Screenflow Pro right. it used to be called Screenflow Pro uh which is a screen capture utility for the Mac. And it's also got a pretty nice video editing setup in there. So if you don't want to learn Premiere or uh, Final Cut and you just want to do quick videos, it comes in really handy. And I use it every week now because we post videos on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. that's the program I use to rip out the the audio and the video to post up to YouTube. Uh, If you've never used it and you need some screen recording software on your Mac, It is hands down the best. And also I like it for just straight up video editing. It's much easier than most of the big ones. There's not that many options, which makes it fantastic. And it's cheaper. It's like 150 bucks. So right. Good stuff. But speaking of videos, I found this this morning and I wanted to get your read on this one. Does your video need a better soundtrack? Ask an AI to write one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is a new app called Dynascore. And mm-hmm. what they did was they trained it on a bunch of different songs and then learned how to break it apart. And then you can put in different points where you want the tempo to change or things like that. It takes yep. it, it remixes it, and gives you a royalty-free version that you can then use in any project. Yep. So you sign, you sign up, you get uh, 20 songs for free just to try it out. And then after that, for personal use, it's 20 bucks a month for unlimited songs. I right. I downloaded it and I tried it this morning. -hmm. It's really fucking good. It's really good. It's what I would call good enough. It is absolutely good enough for And yeah.
1: You know, that that's fine. That's fine. You're putting together a TikTok video and you want some music to go along with it. Great. Go ahead and use something like this. That that's great. It's this stuff is getting really, really good, I'm not going to lie, but here's the paragraph that came, leapt out of this Wired article at me. <laughs> okay, I think it's incredible, says professional videographer Joseph De Giovanni, who spent months testing the software before its release. The truth is, the playing field has 100% been leveled, he says. The kid with the cell phone is up for the same job at Vogue that I am. You've spent your year, your life... <laughs> doing this <laughs> studying it knowing how it works and now you've got to compete with a kid with a cell phone that basically has never studied anything Welcome Great. to our that's, world <laughs> welcome to the world yeah. that we
0: live in now that's it and it's true that's it it's absolutely and true. it is true So why spend money licensing music when you don't have to? I mean, for different projects, you definitely want, you know, bespoke music when you can get it. But Mm -hmm. I mean, even for a lot of the big name projects that I work on for podcasts and they just need like an opening theme, they'll spend 50 bucks and go get it from one of the, you know, one of the main music sites.
1: Look, I, I want to again say, and we just talked about this with Barry Diller a little bit earlier, music is a bellwether. And nobody seems to give a fuck when the musicians get screwed or the music industry gets screwed. But what you don't understand, people, and you need to start paying attention to, is music goes first. You follow. There will be outcry when there's AI that puts the
0: actors in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we, we, <laughs> we, we have that already. It's called deep fakes. Yep, yeah, and people are fucking pissed off about it. Exactly. Music, yeah, fuck them. Yep. And, and you know, there's already places that are doing algorithmic voices that can take over our job too. So yep, it's all coming down to the AI. Woo. Pretty
1: soon we're all just going to be sitting on a couch getting our UBI and eating our Soylent Green. I'm down.
0: Fuck it. I'm over it. I don't want to work anymore. <laughs> Give me that UBI. At the library.
1: I was uh, rooting around for something new to read, and uh, I, just, uh, I, I, I just searched and searched, and the algorithm threw up a couple things, and I saw something called There Is No anti mimetics Division. And it, uh, interesting cover, interesting blurb. The author was given as QNTM. Obviously, that is millennial for quantum. Mm-hmm. So that gave me pause because I'm like, oh, fuck. What's this going to be all about? So uh, I downloaded the sample. From, from the Kindle library, and I read through the sample, uh, and then I did a quick Google on quantum, quantum, quantum to see who he was, and Quantum is Sam Hughes who explains, I also write under the name QNTM, but Goodreads doesn't allow one author to have multiple pen names. Since when did you make your decision based on Goodreads that nobody uses anymore? <laughs> yeah, <But okay>.
0: seriously. <laughs>
1: uh. <laughs> Uh, so his bio goes on. I'm a writer and software developer. I invented and discovered anti-memes. I wrote raw, fine structure, the difference, blah, 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 some other books. He's enthusiastic about time, time zones, time travels, and calendars. I think Unicode is the best thing in computers, and I believe that correctly structuring and normalizing data is an important social issue. Blah, blah, blah. Not did somebody I'm going to
0: invite to my fucking dinner party, I tell you right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also somebody that you may not want to read books by because I am as thoroughly geeky as they come. I am an ex-programmer. I have been into sci-fi all my life. This this sample of even the book was so fucking up its own ass. Look how clever I am. I'm a fucking programmer and developer. I love computers more than I love people that I couldn't take it.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know what he writes under his real name and if it's better sci-fi. He seems to have some accolades as far as that goes, but I will be avoiding the qntm books from now on
0: i could have, i could have told you right now just looking at the end the last the last sentence tells you everything you need to know about this person and why you should never <laughs> listen to a word he says i love javascript and i don't care who knows no <laughs> sane person on this planet loves javascript period yeah i'm surprised he's right. got uh four and a half stars with 1235 ratings though
1: Yeah. It was an intriguing concept, but I just couldn't handle the writing. So okay, we'll see. Like I said, I I will go back and give his his nom de plume, his real name, Sam Hughes, and the books he writes under that name. I might give that a go and see if it's any different.
0: Who knows? Stick with the sample. Because you'd think there has
1: to be a reason. Why would you use two different pen names?
0: Yeah. Maybe this is his avant-garde. Type of yeah, stuff.
1: exactly. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So to wash the taste out of my mouth from that and in desperation and three glasses of wine, I discovered that one of the authors that I read a lot, Matthew Mather, had a new book out called Polar Vortex. Matthew Mather writes the kind of what I lovingly call shitter sci-fi Um Nothing terribly groundbreaking is ever going to happen. It's just going to be a straightforward sci-fi story. And as every single book under his his name on Amazon says, every single one of his books is in development by a Hollywood studio, which just means that the studio tossed him five to ten grand to hold the rights to it. That doesn't mean it's actually in development. Yeah. Because I have yet to see a movie based on any of his books, and I've been hearing that all of his books are in development for about ten years now.
0: We call that optioning. Being optioned yes. is not the same as being it's in development. It's
1: not the same as being in development at all. So uh, <laughs> most of his books have been optioned. And uh, even though this book is relatively brand new, this one, of course, is also in development by a major Hollywood optioned. student. <laughs> uh, optioned. Optioned. <laughs> and I have to say, this book sucked. Uh, I've enjoyed... A... <laughs>
0: That's why it's in development by Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Uh, I have enjoyed an awful lot of his books. I've thought they've been pretty clever and and fast-paced and, like, good shit or sci-fi reads uh this one was not uh this moves slowly i don't understand what the point was that they were going to get to there wasn't terribly there wasn't a real sci-fi kick to this one at all it was a uh, plane goes down people have to figure out there's, there's a who done it on the plane about why it may have happened and it none of it just in not i just didn't give a shit about at all
0: <laughs> i'm starting to get that vibe
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, I finished it. I finished the book because at the end, I wanted to know the it part and what happened. And it was so unsatisfying even at the end. Oh, I need a
0: good book. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, uh, I read How to Live by Derek Sivers. Derek's an interesting cat. You know, he's the guy that created CD Baby. And yep. uh, um, there's a, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of contradicting ideas about how he lives his life and things like that. It's a fun read. There's some things in there that I agree with. There's a lot of things that I don't agree with. This is one of those books and I I'm noticing this from people who become quote unquote post-economic, you know, the people that I don't know are rich and don't have to do shit anymore, but still want to do something. Yeah. Um, like one chapter is get rich. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, says if, the rich we could guy, do that part <laughs> <laughs> says the rich guy. Perfect. But there were some, there were some fun bits in there. I mean, I liked Derek. I, I enjoyed the book. It was a fun little read. Um, you know, took him two years to write it, but uh I I I and like I said, I'm I'm half in, half out with it just because of the if he'd have left out the get rich chapter, I'd have had much more <laughs> respect for the actual book itself. Because it right. just it yeah. brings into sharp relief how rich he is. And I mean he's not he super not- rich, but I was about to say he did not get rich enough
1: to sh- to launch himself out into space. So. No, he didn't. Which and, is what the super rich do.
0: Yeah, and and to his credit when he sold the CD Baby, he kept enough money to keep him comfortable for the rest of his life and then he took the rest of the money and put it into a trust for um music education. So, yeah, you know, which is good. That's we why like that. that's why I like the guy. He's got you know, he's got a lot of cred for doing that. Um So that's cool. But uh, I I recommend picking it up. He's got a bunch of other books that I really like. Uh, Is it Hell No or Yes? And uh, one on the music industry too, which is kind of interesting, but also goes to people who are creating their own content, stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. um, Like I said, I really like Derek. I I recommend signing up for his newsletter. He only does it like once a year. So it's it's an easy read. (laughs) (laughs) Then I started reading Do Nothing, How to Break Away from Overworking, Overdoing, and Underliving by Celeste Headley. I never knew she wrote this book. I know Celeste, uh, she was on the Jordan Harbinger show one time, and uh, I talked to her every now and again on Twitter. And uh, uh, for the most part, I really like it. There's a lot of really dry stuff about the history of work and how the 40-hour work week came to be and how now we have the 80-hour work week because we're just kind of dumb and want to work more. (laughs) Yeah, it's really what it comes down to. The history, mm-hmm. though, the history is actually quite fascinating, even though it's a little bit dry. It is very fascinating on how, you know, in the past, we never used to do this. We never used to do this until the industrial age when, you know, and, you know, time is money, coined by Ben Franklin. And, uh, Although
1: that is sugarcoating it a little bit because unless you were a nobility, uh, you, in the olden days, you worked 24-7 to, to survive.
0: Well, see, that's the thing. It's, that's not actually true. Uh, I recommend I, you should, you should give it a listen uh, or I mean a read. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, you I, will, do that. I will read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Celeste was an, she was an NPR host for a long time and uh, uh, she's, she's a smart woman, very smart woman. And uh, the research that she did is, you know, top notch. So she's an actual journalist, believe it or not. Uh, so it's, right. I, I recommend it. I'm not finished with it. I just picked it up the other day. So I'm about halfway through, but I, I mean, a lot of the concepts are something that I've been working on for you know, the past like six months about working less and enjoying things more and doing things for no fucking reason at all. And having fun. Like adding an
1: iPad to your cart and purchasing it and canceling it the next month. That
0: was great. I love that. That is the best thing I've done all week. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, (laughs) you have no idea the elation I got from canceling that thing. Awesome. Uh, But yeah, it's fun. And of course, on deck now is the ugly truth or an ugly truth inside Facebook's battle for domination. I've heard a couple of interviews with the two ladies who wrote this. They are New York Times reporters. And um, I'm sure that the conclusion is going to be Zuckerberg's a dick. (laughs) We kind of know that already. uh
1: but they are the guests on the Pivot podcast that came out this morning, which I will be listening to on my bike ride, and I have a feeling that the interview that they do there is probably all I'm going to need from this book.
0: It's a good interview. I listened to it already. Okay. So, yeah. Um. But I had this. I had this. This. I had this in my list before I, I listened to the interview. But it's a. It's a good interview. Um. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get it and read it because they've got so many interviews with so many people that it's really going to be kind of fun. You know. Cool. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's a hate read. It is a hate read. It's an absolute yeah. hate read. It's a hate read,
1: and it's uh, it's going to back up every single thought that you've had the whole time, so it makes you feel better about yourself.
0: I actually just feel good that I'm going to give these ladies some money. That's, yeah. you know, they get a quarter from me. <laughs> so. Right. But that's why. <laughs> of the week. Now, this one, Brian, is a head scratcher. I don't know what they're thinking. But Bill Cosby wants to do a comedy tour now that he's out of the Who's Cow. Of course he wants to do one. And he's going to make a docuseries, too. Five-parter. Yeah. You know what?
1: Yeah. I, I've got an idea for him. You know you know how uh, uh, you know performers that reach a certain stature, they get a little sick of going out on the road. They don't want to travel so much. So they do a residency in Las Vegas. I can see Cosby doing a residency at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> there we go. Those are the only fucking people that want to see this douche.
0: And every night drinks are free for all the women.
1: That's right. All the time. Women drink free. You go down one hall, you end up in Trump's room. You go down the other hall, you end or up Cosby's in Cosby's room. room. <laughs> if only Epstein were still around, we'd oh. have a three
0: way. <laughs> the Fuckers. residents could have been on on Rape Island. That'd have been exactly where it goes. Perfect. I'd watch that show. Uh and I thought this one was just too funny. Have you ever heard of a website called Tumix? I have not. I didn't think so because it's mostly anime, but they do, you know, web cartoons, webtoons. Um, they are on the. How do they uh, do
1: that without Flash? I know,
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so they are they are very big on the uh, the anti piracy side of things, and they're always sending down takedown notices. Now, in mm-hmm. true moron of the week. You know, Hall of Famers. They actually asked Google to remove infringing URLs from their own website. That's right. Nice. How awesome is that?
1: They need to purchase TikTok's AI.
0: Yes, they do. Security? Ha! Dave Bittner is back. Dave is the host of the CyberWire podcast, co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy as well as surveillance and privacy. And finally, he's the co-host of Recorded Future, where he takes you inside the world of cyber threat intelligence. Welcome, Dave. One breath. Ah. I
2: want want to hear that at two speed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it makes me want to go out and send something via FedEx. I was going to say, I was trying to do the FedEx guy. (laughs) Boy, that's an old school reference that probably yeah. half the people in our audience won't know. Well, the, the old the, the grumpy old geeks will totally know yes. what that.
1: Means, yes. right? <laughs> they will get that. And the grumpy old Southern California geeks will remember Federated commercials, which also did the same thing. So. Uh.
0: you guys remember Joey Suzu? Oh yeah. I saw oh, yeah. I saw, oh, yeah. I, saw, oh, yeah. I, saw a, I saw a Joey Suzu doppelganger the other day and I'm like, "Wait a minute, he's dead." Oh, wait, so that's not him. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> Moving on. <Huh.
2: laughs> Interesting. Well, speaking of cars, yes. before we dig into uh, security stuff today, I wanted to touch base with you guys about cars. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, I'm curious to know what your relationship has been with fast cars, like sports cars, exotic cars. When you were a kid growing up, you know, a young man, were there were, – do you have any recollection of the first car that caught your fancy that made you go, "Ooh, that's – now that's a – that's well, a car I want someday. Uh,
1: growing up in Los Angeles with a top speed of 10 miles per hour on any freeway, um, <laughs> fast cars, not so much. Uh, disturbingly enough, I think my first, like, ooh, that's cool, was the General Lee, which, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. that, that yep. show has been canceled multiple times up at this point, yep. I'm sure. Yep. Uh, and, of course, Kit from Knight Rider was the pinnacle of coolness um, yep. as a child. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you you do your thing where a Lamborghini is obviously the, the posters and whatnot. But I, I personally, I've never really passed that you know six, seven, eight year old period uh, or age. Uh, cars have never really been that big of a deal to
2: me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jason?
0: I would have to say the Bandit's Trans Am.
2: Yeah, yeah. That was I mine always too. wanted one. I think, I think I missed that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that, that was younger. definitely the – that was the first one for me. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, to the point where I remember uh, a buddy of mine in middle school was telling me about this new TV show he'd seen called Knight Rider and how the uh, the hero drove a Trans Am. And I was like, oh, yeah, Trans Am. That's cool. He said, one of the new Trans Ams. I was like, oh.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I had the same reaction. I'm like, what is this happy horse shit? <laughs> right,
2: right, right. But eventually they won me over. And yes, yeah. Kit was pretty cool. <laughs> and I certainly like, you know, I, I have a thing for kit. And well the reason I ask is um I would say in my certainly in my adult years, I've been more of a wolves and sheep clothing kind of guy where if I were, well, going we already to get know it. about your furry thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: we, that's been covered ad nauseum. We've right. established not,
2: that. <laughs> I know. That's not. Tell me something you don't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh, paging Dr. Freud. Dr. <laughs> Freud. Paging Dr. <laughs> Freud. Um, so, uh, I would have preferred, uh, for example, like a BMW M5. You know, something that looks to all the world like just a regular four-door sedan. But under Mm -hmm. the hood is a high performance car. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Mercedes. I was going to say, I have the dad version, the X3. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Exactly, exactly. You're right. And today, everything has to be an SUV. Um, uh, Mercedes has made some wagons that were ridiculously high performance, you know. So that Mm -hmm. kind of thing has always been uh, more attractive to me than, for example, lusting after a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or something like that. Although uh, I have DeLoreans. So you you like the German cars? I do like the German cars, yes. Uh, Ausgeseignet!
1: I have to admit, I've always wanted a Porsche. I mean, that is kind of a... I'm not a big car guy, but had I... Lived in a place where one could do such things and had the space for an extra car that does not matter. A a Porsche would be very cool.
2: Yeah, I say I I really liked the 944 when it was in Sixteen Candles, uh, (laughs) as we all did. But um, I I, and the the shape of the 911 never really did it for me. As Mm -hmm. these days, I, I certainly appreciate the 911, and I have. Friends who have them and have driven them and I've driven them and they're, they're wonderful. But that's not – it doesn't move me. It doesn't – I don't feel emotional uh, when I see a nine eleven. 11 I can oh, certainly right. appreciate them. But I say all this to bring me to the point of my story, which is that yesterday I was uh, stopping by my parents' house to visit my folks. They were having some computer issues and as we all know – someone leave a Mercedes uh, with a sign said, please take me? <laughs> Because I thought we had covered this and you had learned your lesson, Dave. Uh, yes. This is why this is my one phone call that I'm burning uh, to do this show with you right now.
0: Patreon.com slash GOG for Bittner's Bail Fund. <laughs>
2: right. So I had stopped by the store on my way to buy my mom some flowers because I'm a good son, right? And mm-hmm. outside the, the uh, floral shop was one of the new Corvettes. Oh yeah. The
1: 20- oh yeah. So I saw one drive by the other day. They
2: look like Lamborghinis. They do. Yes. And I have to say this car moves me. <laughs> 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 and I and I never if if you said to me in a million years, Dave, would you ever be interested in a Corvette? I would laugh at you. I'd be ha. What am I, Sam Malone? No, I'm not interested in a Corvette. That's a that is not at all me in any way, shape, or form. Not not my.
1: So kind. you're I, you're looking for European style with shitty American execution.
2: Well, let's not forget price. Yes, <laughs> so. I'm looking at the prices <laughs> well, <there laughs> is now. Price, yes, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So that's I think that's part of it is that you've got this mid-engine supercar look to it. Mm-hmm. But it is achievable. Like if I if – I, you know, I could probably stretch and, and – uh, well, I guess if if uh, young Jack decided he wasn't going to college, there's probably a way I could make <laughs> it happen. Uh, or you do seven or eight more podcasts and you're right there. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. But then I wouldn't have any time to drive it. Anyway, I, 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 I'm as surprised as, as anyone by how this car moves me and how I look at it and I go, oh, my god, I want that. I, and I, and and it makes no sense because where would I drive it? Like as you said, I mean, where can you drive a car like that anywhere today? The roads are so full. Uh, also, there are potholes everywhere. Crumbling
0: infrastructure, infrastructure also doesn't
2: help. <laughs> right? You don't want to take yeah. it over a bridge because God knows. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's a it's sort of a, a folly thing to even think about. But I, I was just I, I surprised myself with uh, thinking about how much for whatever reason. <laughs> the look of this car just it it makes me feel something, um, and uh, I, I would say if uh, any of our listeners have an opinion about this, write it down on a piece of paper, put it in the glove box of a 2022 Corvette Stingray, and leave <laughs> it in the parking lot outside of CyberWire headquarters. <laughs> just the, and put the keys under the front seat, and I will go out and I will I will read that note and enjoy uh, driving that car. So.
0: Midlife crisis much? A lot about,
2: you know, that's the other thing, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, and I'm sure my wife would say something like, well, you know, could have been worse. It could have got a girlfriend or something mm-hmm. like that. You exactly. Know, like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, who do you think yes, I'm picking uh, up in the stingray, honey? <laughs> lesson right. for all I, the wives
1: I, out
2: there. Let them get the car.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think this for me this
2: is such a uh, example of my rational side of my brain versus uh, that side of the brain that somehow just wants this thing. And uh, it's definitely
1: so a sign that uh, you are are diving headlong into middle age as well, because that is the <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> We we do start to reach back to the things that moved us as children, and uh, they they resurge in our brains a little bit as we realize know, that uh, but... we have reached a point where uh, you know we're not going to be able to change our lives too much anymore, and no. we are on a clear path, and here we go sliding into death. <laughs>
0: right, right. right. <laughs> and Brian, you're <laughs> the, you're the on... young one. It's it, as you get closer. And Br- Dave has passed the five mm. zero mark, and I am, yes. I am I am there in like a. Three weeks, I understand right. Dave. I understand yeah. very well where you're coming from there ain't there ain't much time left to have fun, so we'll fuck it let's go <laughs> hey, that's right that's right, and as the recolle-
2: or the realization sets in that chances are I will never be a professional athlete uh, <laughs> <laughs> God, that hits me all the time now.
1: It's like as my wife and I are like we were watching the All Star, uh, the, the whatever the the home run tournament the other night, um, yep. and a little bit, and like they talked about the grizzled veteran that is still hanging in there at thirty six.
2: Mm, right. I'm like, oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I know. No, it's a real thing. But uh, part of me is mad at myself for falling into such an obvious stereotype as as being attracted to a sports car. In my midlife, like, come on, I, am I better than that? Evidently, I am not. I am not.
0: Well, let's so, take
2: a, we, give yourself a pat on the back here, Dave, because
1: your first obsession with a, was with a full Stormtrooper outfit.
0: So, you know. This is, a, this is a step in the right direction. <laughs> you you, you know
1: came what, out of though? the gate hard and odd, so now yeah. you're just
2: going a little more mainstream. Yeah. yeah, but imagine how good I would look in the stormtrooper outfit in the Corvette.
0: Oh. Yeah, and the black and white I would... one definitely would match. <laughs> I,
2: I would kill for the photos. I really would. Uh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh well listen, guys, thanks for having me on this week. Uh sure thing. <laughs> what's the name of
1: that uh car show that was so popular? Talk the Clink
2: Clank show or whatever they were called. Oh, yeah. Car Talk, yeah. Exactly. Car Talk, um, yeah, we'll be back. Right, exactly. You've wasted another hour listening to
0: grumpy old geeks. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking, this thing's got 490 horsepower. Who's counting? I had a 510 horsepower, 300 ZX. It it was heavily modified. And uh, yeah, that thing tried to kill me every minute of every day. So (laughs) honestly, if you do drive one, be very careful. Be very, very careful.
2: Right. That's the other thing. I don't need to introduce an additional way to die into my life. We have plenty of them already. It's called getting out of bed. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like every time I sneeze, I'm like, is this the sneeze that's going to throw my back out? You know, but so, then to,
1: to your earlier point, Jason, <laughs> do do you want to die from a sneeze or do you want to die in a blaze of glory, Thelma and Louise style, going over a bridge as it collapses? I am going That's Thelma true. and Louise
0: because I pulled my shoulder <laughs> out with a with a trowel putting like a little potted plant in the ground this week. So you know, mm-hmm. I am I'm like, yeah. yeah, let's just let's say screw it and let's go. I got a matching one, Dave. I could probably make it over that drawbridge. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. <laughs> We can rent. All right. Them. Next week, let's do a cocaine show. Come on, yes. kids. <laughs> All right. Wow. Oh, I mean, if it's your last hurrah, just rent one. Screw it. You don't
2: have to buy it. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. I guess I'm not getting my deposit back. Oh, yeah. wow. Well.
0: <laughs> Shucks. Sorry, <Yeah>. Chad. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Oh, well. Should we do okay. some security then? Sure thing. <laughs> sure. I guess that was more fun. Back to the normal boring. <laughs> hey, at least it wasn't Star Wars. We did slide a little bit in there, but I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, so Audacity, that really horrible audio program that a lot of newbies use uh, because it's free, is it was
1: great when it first came out. Audacity 1.0, given the the competitive software at the time, was actually really good. Okay, uh, let's give him credit for that.
0: Okay, and it was mm. written in Java back then. Yay. Uh, On a PC, like I got to say, on a PC, it worked. On a Mac, no. No, it was terrible. Yeah, well, I was
1: a PC user back then. So it was a very good piece of software at the time, given you had a PC. Yeah. It's been shit since then. Don't get me wrong.
0: Well, it's gotten even worse, because Audacity (laughs) 3.0 is now owned by a Russian company called the Muse Group. Not to be confused with a Muse boosh Not to be confused with the group, Muse. (laughs) Yes, that either. Uh, (laughs) So... Uh, they've added a whole bunch of things in there that are making a lot of people upset, including uh, phoning home to Mother Russia, uh, mm-hmm. sending user data back, and uh, you know telemetry on your machine, your IP address, your configuration, and things like that. They've changed the license, so um, and, and kids under thirteen are not allowed to download it anymore. Uh, there's all sorts of fun things that are happening with it, and okay. uh, it so be not sure be not to better. record.
1: Be sure not to record your top secret uh, military B2B podcast that's only meant for distribution within the military uh, with this program.
0: Yes, definitely not.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but I think uh, a big part of this story is just how people lost their stuff when they heard this. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Even though it's crappy, it is popular. It is a popular program because it's free. It is popular, but I think. But my point is that people overreacted. I think. I, I think the initial fear that this that they'd completely turn this program into spyware and so you, ha- you could no longer use it and get it off your computer a bit overstated. Uh, Are you telling me the internet overreacted, Dave? I know it's hard to believe, Brian, but it's true <laughs> in this case. <laughs> Um and uh, so I think cooler heads have since prevailed and it's mm-hmm. primarily they updated their EULA to match really whatever the rest of their software their right? EULA. well yeah. but yeah. it's just it's it's a lot of boilerplate stuff that says should we choose to do this we you grant us the permission to do this which. Everything right. says these days. They, they yeah. cover all their bases.
0: There's some other issues, though, uh, with the developers. Since it was open source and it's still technically yep. kind of open source, they are taking a very draconian approach to uh, contributors to the project, saying that they now own the code and can do with it what they mm-hmm. will. You still own a license, but you're giving them a perpetual, you know, full use license to it as well, which but I can see ruffling that, feathers. That's true, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's their software. They bought it. Yeah. They own it. Yeah.
0: They can do I what could, they wish but, but, with
2: it. I've seen... I mean, has there's been some talk of that someone could
0: fork it, right? I mean, so... That's what they're uh, that's talking about now, yeah, is to to do a fork and revert it back to uh, pre-muse days and uh, mm-hmm. just fixing it, which, open source, go for it. Um, and apparently, they are in breach of the, the licensing that they're using because they have added those things with uh, the 13-year-olds and such, like... <laughs> So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah.
2: I mean, a lot of times, like the thirteen-year-old thing, a lot of a lot of that is sort of preemptive GDPR stuff.
0: Exactly, just, you're yeah. not even supposed to be on Facebook
2: trouble. if you're under thirteen. So, right, <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> now, Jason, I don't know that I have ever opened audacity well don't what about it uh, <laughs> what about it sucks what, why why in particular
0: do you not like it oh uh, just the interface is terrible it's absolutely the interface terrible. is very like early 90s yeah and they've okay. never updated uh, it because it is open source and a bunch of coders are doing the design on it um it's i mean like i said i haven't used it in quite some time because i don't want to i i'm still uh-huh. pretty sure that it is just a waveform editor a destructive waveform editor it's not uh non-destructive Which, Mm. you know, as a professional, you can't do anything that's not non destructive. Um, Right. So, as a thing, I know a lot of people that use it because they're um, the filters that they have for removing noise from vinyl. uh, That's 90% of the people I know that use Audacity, like, rip their vinyl and use the filters to get rid of the pops and the scratches. That's the main thing because they do have oh. a lot of built-in it, filters. It also
1: has a good filter to actually put pops and scratches back in, which is the one time that I actually used it for something because I wanted to make a piece <laughs> of MP3 audio sound like it was playing off vinyl.
0: Oh my god! I got well. speaking. You just you reminded me of something. Uh, we had another garage sale the other day, and the girl that runs the garage sale for us brought a bunch of stuff over, and I ended up buying something from her. Uh, she had a mint condition General Electric tape recorder, like the old school. Tape recorder. Oh, that's cool. Oh, wow. uh, mint condition. Uh, like, I checked the battery compartment because that's where they usually are crap. You know, somebody had leaky batteries. Whistle clean uh, works like a charm. So now I have a classic cassette recorder. So if anybody knows hmm. where the hell I can find a cassette, <laughs>
1: let me know. <laughs> I was just
0: about. I was just about
1: to say. So in about two months, if you want to swing by Jason's house, you'll be picking up a brand new tape recorder.
0: <laughs> uh, that's going. That's going on the on the wall of old crap. So um, that that goes with my old film Nikon cameras. I'll put that up with that stuff as a display <laughs> item. But I, I wanted to. I wanted to try because it comes with a microphone and everything. I'm just like ooh. Might be able to get some good sounding stuff. Or now I guess I could just use Audacity and throw the filter on it and make it sound like a exactly. player player. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just add some hiss. Yeah. Pretty sure Logic can do that. I think I've probably got a filter for that already. But <laughs> anyway, anyway, I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. I'll take a picture of it and post it somewhere. Yeah. Now, uh, Dave, I don't know if you guys covered this next one, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Cyber attack disrupts Iran's national railway system. Did you uh? Did you guys cover this one at all?
2: We did. Was we it did. a big uh, thing, or was
0: it a tempest in a teapot?
2: I think it was a big thing if you were in Iran. Yeah, probably. Sucked, uh, waiting yeah. to get a. Pl- <laughs> if you were waiting for a train to get somewhere,
0: yeah, yeah. then your day was ruined. Yeah. I mean,
2: everything's relative, right? Um, I think uh, the big thing about this is it starts the conversation of who done it, and the two most likely suspects are either Israel or the U S
0: of course. So I just didn't know if anything else came out. Cause I saw this when it first happened and I didn't know if there were any, uh, big news bombs since then, or if it was still like, yeah, we don't no. know who did it. I haven't seen any signs of attribution.
2: Um, and, uh, I haven't really, other than this initial report that you've, that you've got here, which is basically what we reported on that, um, you know, they got that, the trains weren't running. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Other than that, I've seen no real follow-up on it. Because
0: this this is a major infrastructure attack. Well, Well, I was going
2: to ask, is this
0: train
1: system like the Chinese uh, train system that we discussed a few uh, months (laughs) back, (laughs) uh, running on a a hacked version of Flash still because Flash was discontinued and they had to create their own Flash (laughs) server to keep the
2: trains running? (laughs) I don't know. That's a good question. I, I really... I don't have a clear sense for... Uh, what kind of infrastructure they have on Iran's system? That's another thing I really haven't seen reported with this uh, story. But you're right. I mean, it's a it's a good point. There's a but there's a, a wide spectrum of um, <laughs> of infrastructure around the world. People, <laughs> yes. many of these are held together. We think ours are bad, and they are. But a lot of these are held together with uh, bailing wire and spit and tape and and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: So this comes from Alan Liska, who is uh, one of the researchers over at Recorded Future. Um, He actually has written a book on ransomware, so kind of knows what he's talking about when it comes to this stuff. But he tweeted this morning that all of the R-Evil sites, all of their infrastructure appears to have gone offline at about 1 a.m. Eastern time, which, wait for it, is 8 a.m. in Moscow. So – uh, it showed up with your badges
1: and couldn't get in the door. Yeah, <laughs> it's as if,
2: yeah, it's, uh, as if st- at the start of the day, uh, it got shut down. Now, of course, what we don't know is what was the cause of this. It could have been it could be a temporary thing. It could be a system failure. Um, they could be running off with the money. It uh, could be an exit scam. Could be that the Russian authorities told them to just lay low for a while could be that the russian authorities have said okay we're done here um could be that the u.s or another one of our allies reached in and and took some action on our own interesting Um,
1: timing after the biden putin summit in which biden basically said you guys better fucking knock it off
2: that's right that's right And it's interesting to see the speculation of uh, InfoSec people who – it seems like what they're wishing for is that we went in and turned the lights off ourselves, we being the US, rather than President Putin telling them to knock it off. I think people are hungry for a demonstration of capabilities um, rather than a diplomatic – sort of um, giving in to our wishes. So right.
1: I don't know. It's I personally always kind of uh, prefer the diplomatic solutions, but okay. Well, sure. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I for, mean, for overall for an, the
2: world, it's the best thing, but it's, it's more interesting that we have team some, six. come on.
1: <laughs> a little bit of right. war hawking going on from our InfoSec community here.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, we, the, the thing is when you, When you demonstrate a capability, you burn that capability. Now the bad guys know what you're able to do. So that's a big reason why we don't like to do that. Um, But uh, I think – I don't know. My sense is that I think people are tired of um, – Seeing all the losses
1: and no wins.
2: yeah and the Russian sort of crying wolf of saying oh is is that uh I guess crying bear in this case saying, Oh is that, that wasn't us we don't know any we don't know what you're talking about this is we're we We uh, respect the rule of law, and uh surely this is someone else, so I don't know. I think people are ready to have it uh have something decisive happen and and um not having a smoking hole in the ground, this could be the next <laughs> best thing. Right. For a lot of folks out there, I, I'm with you. I think uh, a diplomatic uh, solution is probably best, and probably will lead to the best long term outcomes. But mm-hmm. yeah, it seems like a lot of people are uh, smelling blood
0: in the water. I'm sure right. you guys can figure out which side I'm on.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I have a guess. <laughs> yeah, burn them to the ground. Uh-huh. <laughs> You want a smoking hole inside
0: the smoking hole. Exactly. In the <laughs> I, I, after they dropped the 10,000 pound bomb, I want a 20,000 pound bomb right behind it. Let's go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Take Absolutely. that rootin' tootin' Putin.
1: <laughs> and this is why I'm often glad you didn't go into politics, Jason.
0: There you go. Well, I yeah. did. It, it only yeah. lasted
1: five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> One campaign rally and everybody's like, "Oh Jesus Christ!"
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: wow. What? Yeah, be careful what you ask for. This guy wants to bomb Reseda. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Have you been to Rosita lately? It could use some cleansing. Actually, to be
2: fair, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to bomb something,
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, gents.
2: All right, guys. Well, <laughs> I need to run along. I have an appointment at the local Chevy dealer. So uh, <laughs> you, you a hundred
1: percent need to go take
2: Got- it for a test drive. Gotta, gotta go to. Yeah, you know what? And the thing is, like. I guess that's the one good thing about being a middle-aged guy is that nobody's going to question my desire to take a, a test drive of this thing, right? They're going to see me walk in the door, and they're going to say, the Corvette is right over here, sir.
1: Yes. yes. As opposed to the you know, 19-year-old version of you that would show up with wanting a test drive.
2: Uh, no. Right.
0: right, Yes. yes. <laughs> Dave, you are you are squarely out, in what they call the target market.
2: I am. Absolutely. <laughs> Desperate Absolutely. enough to
0: want it and rich enough to afford it.
2: Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Good catching up. I'll talk to you guys next time.
0: Closing shout outs. Over at Patreon, no new subscribers. Boo. Boo. Hoo. And over at PayPal, <laughs> we've got Simon, Andrew, Breed, Ralph, Miles, Mark, Linda, Natalie, Tony, and Andrew.
1: Thank you. Thank you. No new iTunes reviews. Nobody. Uh, and over at our tip jar, we got a couple people, but uh, Jason knows these stories since there's quotes. Uh,
0: Justin T gave us a double. Woohoo! Thank you, oh. Justin. Uh, thank and you, Peter. Peter uh, H Peter. Says, uh, he says "fuck you" and "fuck Stripe" for not letting me add a comment to my five dollar donation. Uh, he's a listener from Norway, so thank you. Wow. Very see, much.
1: I guess if we insult countries, we get uh, we get actual uh, feedback from them.
0: So, fuck you, Sweden. Well, that's no. That's how we got our Swedish listeners already.
1: Oh shit! Okay, we're gonna another country. <laughs> I mean, that's
0: that, that. That's case hey, in point. That's we, the only reason we've got such a big group of awesome. Let's finish people our triptych up there. Fuck you, Denmark! Yeah, fuck you, Denmark! And <laughs> Q also uh, donated to the tip jar. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: Thank you all so much. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister.
0: And I'm Jason Filippo Thanks for listening to Gropy Old Geeks. If you enjoyed the show, visit GOG.show slash donate to help us keep the lights on and we'll love you forever. You can also help us out by sharing the show with your friends and enemies. It's easy and absolutely free and we really need it right now. We really need some shares, folks. We really appreciate it. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 514. From there, you can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as links to our swag and Discord channel if you want to buy some stuff or chat with us and other show fans. You can also head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash review and toss us a snarky review and preferably five stars. Stay grumpy, my friends.